Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. Hello, everyone. Good to be with you today. Greetings also to those who are watching online. Glad we can all be together in this way. Please turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. I, I don't like scary movies. I never have. It goes all the way back to when I was a kid. I went to the movies with one of my friends, and his mother took us to see Poltergeist. (laughs) Who takes little kids to see Poltergeist? I've had an aversion to scary movies and clown dolls ever since. But there's one exception. I like zombie shows. I am fascinated by zombies. And my fascination began a number of years ago when The Walking Dead premiered and became super popular. But here's the thing about shows like The Walking Dead and more recently, The Last of Us. They're not really about zombies. You may come for the zombies, but you stay for the survivors. This motley crew of people living in a world gone mad, surrounded by mindless creatures whose sole purpose is to consume everything in sight. Did he just start talking about politicians? No, I'm still talking about (laughs) zombies. It was one of the most important lessons we learned from the zombie apocalypse, besides never go walking through the woods without a machete, is that you cannot survive the zombie apocalypse by yourself. Survivors of the zombie apocalypse have to stay together. Even though it's not always easy, Because sometimes the only thing they have in common is they are not zombies. Survivors of a zombie apocalypse have to overcome tremendous diversity. Racial, cultural, educational, intellectual diversity to stick together. And they learn to do it. Because they're living in a world that will eat them alive if they don't. Which brings me to Paul's words to his friends in Philippi who are themselves facing some external addition while struggling along with each other. Let's read what he says in Philippians 1, verse 27. It says, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct the worthy of the gospel light. Then, whether I may see you or only in absence, I will let you stand firm in one tithing together as one, for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way those who oppose you. 
This is a sign that you were by God, going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Paul implores his friends in Philippi to organize their lives together as a church so they conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And he knows are things that frustrate progress of the followers of Christ who cannot was standing firm or standing together as one. He wants the church in Philippi to act as a single unit, to work together as a single unit in the midst of a battle. The language he uses in this passage brings to mind the images of the Greek phalanx or the Roman testudo. Both of these are tightly grouped military formations that allow soldiers to stand together but also move together as a single unit. You might remember from the movie 300, the Spartans used the phalanx to great effect in their battle. Or perhaps you remember how in the two towers, the Urukai used the testudo to storm the gate of Helm's Deep. While I can't prove that Paul had any of these images in mind, I don't know for sure that he ever saw the Lord of the Rings trilogy. (laughs) It's not a stretch to imagine that since Philippi was a Roman military colony in Macedonia where the phalanx was popularized, a few of the Christians in Philippi might have made this connection. These units, these formations were only as strong as the soldier's ability to stay together. As Benjamin Franklin said in a very different context, we must indeed all hang together or most assuredly we will all hang separately. We must stand together as one. And in verse 28, Paul says standing together as one is is a sign that your opponents will be destroyed or defeated and you will be saved. To stand together as one without fear. It's a sign of destruction for some and salvation for others. And while this kind of language challenges my inclusive sensibilities, some are saved, some are destroyed, it also reminds me that when Paul wrote this passage, he and his friends in Philippi were members of a tiny community, a small band, a small movement, living in the shadow of an overwhelming majority. 
and the most effective weapon they had at their disposal was not a sword, was not a knife. It was their unwavering, courageous unity in the face of overwhelming opposition. When followers of Christ love one another and stand together as one, it puts the gospel on display for our neighbors. One writer describes the church as God's shop window. That opponents and outsiders and skeptics and seekers, when they see what the church is doing in the window, it helps them decide, see how they love each other, see how they treat each other, see how they support one another, see how they stand together as one. It helps them decide whether they're going to come into God's shop and explore the gospel more closely. And one of the most persuasive, compelling arguments for the truth of the gospel is a group of people, ideally a group of diverse people, loving and treating one another as if they believe the gospel is really true. Which is just another way to say, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel by standing together as one. The unity of believers is a core teaching of the gospel passed down to us in the writings of the New Testament. As such, we are to take it as seriously as we take communion or baptism or justification by faith. If Christ saves, if Christ forgives, if Christ renews, then Christ also unifies his followers. And if we are one with Christ, we must be one with one another. We cannot have unity with Christ and not have unity with each other. Unity is an essential component of the gospel. Not an add-on. Not an elective. Not a secondary, well, we'll get to it when we get all the other important stuff figured out. No. Unity of believers is very near to the core of the gospel. But it is not easy. It is not simple. If it was, then Paul wouldn't have had to address it in so many of his letters. So what I'd like to do as I close this message is offer you a couple of reflections on unity, how it works, what it is, but, but maybe even more helpfully, what it isn't. Because we hear Paul talk about unity in this passage, and we make certain assumptions about, well, that, that sounds impossible. But unity is not universal agreement. Unity is not universal agreement. If we all have to agree with one another in order to be unified, we have no shot of living in a manner worthy of the gospel. 
And depending on your religious heritage and your tradition that you grew up in, this may be a challenging concept for you because some of us were raised to believe that Christian unity is based on everyone in the church agreeing on a long list of essential beliefs. Everyone has to agree on this and this and this and this. And the longer the list, and that list can get pretty long, the longer the list, the smaller the church. Even Paul allows that his friends in Philippi aren't going to agree with him on everything. It's a fascinating little throwaway line in Philippians chapter 3, later on in the letter, where he says, all of us then who are mature should take on such a view of things or take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Paul doesn't see the job sure they bring him immediately. He makes this, he shares his perspective, but then he steps back and allows God room to show them what to see so that they will know when they need to there. We don't need to talk about it. We don't need to address it because we know what will happen if we do. As Randy Harris has famously said, the only thing holding some churches together is a lack of communication. <laughs> That's not always a negative. You do not, you are not required to have an opinion on everything. And you do not have to share every opinion you have in a gathering circle or a class or a small group or over lunch or on Facebook. One of the downsides of social media is that it's given everyone the opportunity to share their opinion on everything. And it's given too many the impression that we all care about what their opinion is on everything. Proverbs 17, 28 says, a fool who is silent appears to be wise. But as soon as they open their mouth, there are some things we just don't have to talk about, don't have to address. And forcing our opinion, forcing our perspectives on each other, looking for agreement, Looking for, do we see this the same way? Looking for some solidarity, pushing it, pushing it. No, it's irritating others. We have to share their opinion on something. All that is perfect. We can license of diversity. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not everyone becoming exactly the same or only drawing people together who are similar or the same. Remember that three-way friendship in Christ? Because we are united with Christ, because I am united with Christ, because you are united with Christ, we are also united with one another. And one of the reasons unity can be so complicated, can get so difficult, is Christ is always drawing us into friendship with those we might otherwise never be friends with. And Christian unity grows out of and derives its gospel-worthy power from pre-existing diversity. The more diverse we are, 
the more power the gospel is displaying and holding us together. It's like survivors of a zombie apocalypse. We are drawn together from different social, economic, racial, political, and religious backgrounds. And we are drawn and held together not by what makes us different, but by the most important thing that holds us together, the most important thing we have in common, and that is our salvation in Christ. And if that is all we have in common, that is enough. We are held together by our conviction that Christ and Christ alone is the key to our survival. Because even though we can't always see them, we are surrounded by antagonistic forces. We are surrounded by forces of darkness seeking to rip us apart and steal our humanity and turn us into the walking dead. We must stand together as one. We must figure out how to work together. We must have each other's backs. We must stay together. Because we really are living in a world that will eat us alive if we don't. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for drawing us together in Christ. We thank you that we can be one with Christ, one with you, and therefore one with each other. We ask that you would impress upon our hearts the necessity of our sticking together, that you would soften the hard edges of our hearts that make it harder for us to maintain our unity, and that we would, that we would dwell in your love and be shaped by your grace in such a way that we are one body one unit functioning together, standing together as one. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.